This is the Matt Townsend Show. If we're not wholeheartedly in our relationship, then we probably are always looking for exit strategies. Your guide on the side. I would suggest you forge more character. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. I was reading an article today on History.com of all the different plagues that have affected humankind over the ages. Things like the Justinian Plague, the Black Death, the Great Plague of London, a lot of things that I had never heard before. And it seems like our medical knowledge and our technology has advanced so much since these medieval times, so we wouldn't have to worry about these things like plagues anymore, right? Well, I think maybe there is something that we have to worry about. And It didn't show up on history page, and it doesn't necessarily come as a form of a disease, but it's definitely turning into a worldwide pandemic. So today I wanted to talk about addiction. It's a huge problem in our world today, and there are just too many things in our lives to become addicted to. But the majority of this episode, I want to talk about what expert Ken Schwab refers to as the plague of our time, and that is pornography. It's so widely used that people tend to just downplay it as a thing to pass time, like playing cards or strolling in the park, but it has such detrimental side effects that many people don't realize. So I wanted to listen to this interview with Ken where he enlightens us on why porn is such a problem and how it damages individuals, families, and society as a whole. This is a big deal, isn't it? It is. It is. It's the, uh, it's the plague of our, of our time. Uh, there are so many people that are addicted to it, and yet it's that silent where there's just nothing. Uh, there's not a lot of evidence unless a person comes out and talks about yeah. it. Yeah. And are we just like – are we just being uptight like a bunch of just – I mean I can get it in our, in our culture you know, with LDS people, and we just might be uptight like just don't do stuff like that. Is this being uptight or is it really a problem? It really is a problem. When uh, when I heard those statistics, and I'm aware of other statistics that show just how much money is spent, how much time is taken away from the work workplace, um, and especially the the um, the damage that's done in a person's life as well as a spouse. Um, that's it's incredible. It's it's just really a plague of our time. What damage do you see? Now you're somebody that sees husbands and wives come in all the time trying to deal with this. What is the damage? I mean, it's not like they're on heroin. I mean, we'll get into that. But it's not. But it's not like they're you know out in the middle of some street doing drugs. This is it's a quiet thing. Hardly anybody notices. It's not deforming. <laughs> uh, physically, I'm assuming it's not deforming, but it is deforming emotionally. It's devor- it's deforming the marriages relationally. Absolutely, uh, it's when after you get a chance to work with some of these couples and you see the damage that a wife feels uh, for her, and it's kind of interesting to her. She feels it's every bit as uh, much of a betrayal as if he was to if the husband was to go out and and have an affair or seek out a prostitute, to her it's just as damaging. Mm -hmm. And so we see wives, once they find out, go through all kinds of emotions. Uh, They're traumatized by it. Oh, yeah. I've seen many a marriage, like, destroyed. Mm -hmm. And then they almost, they struggle then, how do I get over that? How do I trust that again? 
and and this relationship again. What does it do to the what does it do to the offender to the one using the pornography? Well, that's kind of interesting. You you had said that there wasn't a physical effect, but now that we have brain scans, yeah. we can actually show that with brain scans that uh, there are changes in the brain that take place. And, it's altering uh, the brain. It, it does. It, it really does. And as, ma- as amazing as the brain is, as uh, much plasticity as it has, the ability to change, um, uh, it, it still creates those problems. And, and what is it doing to the brain? I, what, I guess the same thing as an addiction. Uh, much like that, yes. Um, uh, it shifts from the upper part of the brain, the thinking part of the brain that we normally use, uh, down to the limbic system, yeah. which is near the, ba- uh, the base of the brain. Uh, that part is being used, and that's the non th- <clears throat> excuse me the non thinking part of the brain. Uh, so what kind happens, of the reactive part? Exactly. Yeah, that's the the fight or flight response, mm-hmm. the uh, eat or be eaten, yeah. the, the increased pleasure, decreased pain. So you're actually brain. decreasing your uh, your 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 focus or your time in your thinking brain, mm-hmm. and replacing it with the fight or fi- fight or flight kind of brain. By flight or mate. Exactly. And so it'd be much like a muscle. If you're not using a muscle, atrophy would set in. That's exactly what's happening up in the prefrontal cortex. And, and that shows up in brain scans oh, my as far as the, um, th- that part of the brain is not being used. So it doesn't give off that, that energy that's measured on a brain scan. And it looks kind of like Swiss cheese. It looks like it's not – It's know, actually holes in it, kind it of like. creating holes in your brain. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And we don't think of it. We just you – know, ah, come on. Yeah, it's just boys yeah. being boys. Yeah, but no, no, it uh, that there has that effect. I think it's also very difficult on a person's self-esteem. Um, you know, after a person looks at that, there's this rush. There's mm-hmm. this this feel good. These chemicals that are released in the brain. But when a person gets through with it, oftentimes there's this feeling of uh oh. This this shame. I, yeah. I've betrayed somebody. I've uh, I'm I'm hurting myself, and yeah. uh, and we're finding that whether a person's religious or not, they they start realizing that this is taking them away from who they really are. Well, yeah, I guess all of a sudden, if you don't have self control, you're going to doubt yourself. I mean, you're going to yeah. just start seeing that you have less and less control over yourself, less and less power. That's true. How could that not impact you? Yeah. Is it? Um, and then uh, I guess it's interesting because we kind of think of the addiction because it's sexually, you know, I guess acted out. We think that the benefit is more of a sexual thing, but it's really more of a brain thing, isn't it? That, that's the benefits, correct. the payoff in the brain. That's right. Um, you know, it's really not about sex at all. It's about a feeling of acceptance hmm. or attachment. Yeah. Um, you, you know well that attachment is a human need. Yeah. And when a person doesn't get that human need, they start searching for something, and, and it goes directly to that limbic system. The limbic system then reaches out in its memory, tries to find something to make them feel good, and if they've been introduced to that before, and yeah. a fact that's kind of interesting is uh, the average age of our young people is 11 years of age. That Where they're they exposed. Start, they're exposed. They're exposed, yeah. And so those memories then go in the brain. And, and my experience has been a lot of them don't even seek it, but a, an older brother, yeah. a friend, Someone somebody will introduce them, it to yeah. them. Then that memory is in the brain. And whenever that limbic system is trying to get its high, it reaches out, grabs mm. that memory, brings it back and says, now go ahead and do that again. Isn't that amazing? And we have these innocent little 11-year-olds that mm-hmm. developmentally aren't capable of handling this thought yeah. and this thought of a sexual image or whatever. And 
it's now it's being introduced kind of more involuntarily. They're seeing it just surfing on the internet. Yeah. And now there's kind of somewhere to hang this this problem. Exactly. And and so many times what what will happen is is our our young people get exposed to something and they're not even aware of the danger that that's happening. Uh, in our area, not too long ago, there was uh, sexting was a big deal, yeah. and so they would use their cell phones and they would uh, 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 take pictures of themselves in in uh, without their clothes on. They'd send it to all their friends, not realizing it was out there now for, for anybody to see in in cyberspace. Ah, uh, it's a big deal. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Ken Schwab. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about addiction today, and specifically, we're listening to an interview with Ken Schwab right now about pornography addiction. In the last segment, he told us how emotionally damaging it can be to abusers and how traumatizing it can be to partners and families of these people who abuse pornography. And he said that pornography usage actually atrophies the brain while you're using it in a way because it switches the brain from normal thinking and functioning to be in this prolonged state of fight or flight. He also said that it surfaces and creates deeper problems, such as lack of self-control, attachment issues, and shame. But even though Dr. Schwab says that pornography is the plague of our time, addiction is a strong word, and I don't want to just throw it around lightly. It's important to separate abuse and addiction. Now, Matt and Dr. Schwab don't condone any use of pornography in this interview, but in this next part, they kind of tell the difference of when watching pornography or abusing it turns into addiction. Now, um, it's okay. So what if if you're let's say you've kind of you've seen porn, it's started to create a habit, you're starting to see it. I guess. How do you know, first of all, it's a it's a habit or an addiction? Let's go with addiction. Uh, it's it's there's not a clear cut uh, line when it crosses from a habit uh, to an addiction, um, and but but a person would surely know when it's very difficult to stop. Uh, they've tried to do that. They've tried to make an effort. They've promised other people, yeah. or they've set a goal and said, "By this date, I will stop." They do well for a little while, and then boom, there's another slip or a relapse. It's just, that seems like that's the pattern, huh? It's the they start promising, yeah, and it's almost like that's it's it's almost like the broken promise or the broken trust is maybe even a bigger impact than the act itself. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like I mean, I'm not more dangerous to the marriage. Oh, definitely, uh, that trust is shattered, um, yeah. and so what happens is that creates a trauma. Uh, for the wife, then the wife is 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 uh, you know she she gets married expecting that that there will be faithfulness and, and honesty in the marriage and and both of those two things are shattered. The the faithfulness is gone now because in her mind he betrayed me. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is the honesty because again remember it's a it's a shame issue here. Right uh, for the husband 
you know, he he's sitting here saying, you know, this this shame is there, and and I'm not going to tell anybody about right, it. Right? No way. Let's just let this one go. Yeah, yeah. If so I, they kind if, of never get help then. Exactly. So secrecy is always the lifeblood of an addiction. Yeah. And so Keep it under the rock. Exactly. Yeah. And so what happens then is is um, he tries to keep it inside, tries to keep it quiet. When really the only way to deal with the addiction is to bring it out into the open. Mm-hmm. Let the light. That's what I always say. Just you know, if you flip the rock over and let the sunlight hit what's under the rock, it's going to be a great disinfectant. Yeah. The yeah. light t- tends to yeah, clean, well, doesn't it? Yeah. One of, one of our uh, uh, people that have been through the the Lifestar program said he, he compares it to a mushroom. He says, do you know where mushroom grows? And I said, no, edify me, Tell teach me. me yeah. you know? And then yeah. he says, well, it, it grows in dark places, moist, and basically it grows in crap. Oh, interesting. And, and he says the way to be able to – he says if you take any of those things away, you take away the darkness yeah. and the, the, yeah. the moistness, he says the mushrooms die. And, die. and so that's important. Get that light to it. Uh-huh. Get that light there so that people can help him. And, and it's kind of interesting too, Matt, that we we speak of this as a as a male mm-hmm. uh, yeah, situation. Yeah, I was going to say women are yeah. addicted to porn they, as well. They figure about two thirds male, about one third female. And it's we 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 are starting to see a lot more females that are that come forth and say, "Hey, we've uh, we've got a problem too." And it's if it's embarrassing for men, it's even more embarrassing oh, for the yeah. women. Well, and it's uh, yeah, I think we think that they don't think that way, but I guess in the end. They're just everyone's. It's just medication. They're all just medicating their desire for some other connection, some other attachment. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that's right. It's this this connection, this uh, this attachment that's a human need. Mm-hmm. And so, if if there's you know if if that's not there, there's these these holes you, you could say these trauma yeah. wounds that are left. And 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 a person is trying to fill those holes up with something. Right. And unfortunately, the fastest things to fill those things up are also probably addicting. Isn't that? And, and it seems like, too, I guess, once you get addicted, you could try to fill. I mean, I, I could see people that already had the addiction. Then it, it could almost be anything. Then it wouldn't even have to just come from your old you know, issues with attachment. Then when you're bored. Mm-hmm. Your brain just says, "Hey, do that one thing that makes our brain feel so good." Yeah, or yeah. when you're mad, or when you're, or, you know, when you're anxious, or when you're, you're feeling all of these other feelings. Then all of a sudden, the addiction just keeps taking you down the same trap. Exactly. To, <clears throat> any any kind of emotion can do that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we'll use the 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 acronym BLAST. Uh, B L A. Then we add an H in there. S T. B stands for bored. When you're bored, L is lonely, A is angry, H is hungry, S is stressed, and T is tired. And so you get enough of that in our society. But but imagine somebody that's out out traveling, uh, uh, maybe maybe uh, uh, driving a truck or staying at a motel or or someplace away from home where yeah. there's that 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 solid basis there. Yeah. Now they're out there, and if they start feeling those emotions, they're going to be triggered. It's interesting. And yeah, and their brain's like, yeah, you know, maybe just do that. That would feel better. That makes everything go away. And then you get a little dose, I guess, of chemistry, and mm-hmm. then it fades. And then I guess do you need more? Is I guess do you just – that's part of the addiction is you just keep seeking it more quickly, more – Consistently, yes, 
Yes. A person would often uh, seek, seek more and more uh, things that are more a little bit exciting to them, yeah. a, a little bit more arousing. Yeah. And uh, one, one thing that I, I think is important is um, uh, that, that it doesn't – some people say, well, then for all of these people that are doing that, they'll eventually become child right. abusers. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's not true. No. I think a lot of times people will draw a line and they'll say, hey, this isn't going to go that yeah. direction. So we want to make sure that people – not everybody's going to be a Ted Bundy. Right. That's great. And that's important because, I mean, you have to have other issues to be a Ted Bundy, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. other things other than just something like this. But this just kind of, it seems like it just puts you on a track that you're out of control. You, you start, you're on the slippery slope, I call it. Right. You're starting to slide. Uh, that's a You've lost your traction. Great, great way to put that. And, and what I see in working with these people, these are good people. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, their heart is in the right place. They're trying to do things. They just feel hopeless mm-hmm. and helpless. And like you say, they get in that slippery slope and down they go. Well, and then it's all, I, I like, I love the way that you bring up that it's like for attachment. It seems like so many people are looking for more or a deeper, more profound sense of closeness, mm-hmm. intimacy. And then the minute you're, it seems like the minute you're reaching for something um, like pornography, you're you're almost ensuring a, a a lesser sense of intimacy than just you being with your partner. You don't need you don't need all of these extra things involved in your intimacy to make it more special and more close. You almost just need to just be more present and right. more together. Right, exactly. That's that's the key on on that is that this never does fulfill the real human need of, yeah. of attachment, and so what it does is it becomes artificial. Um, if a person's looking at that, many times those figures that they see on yeah. their screens are have been airbrushed and computer oh, yeah. enhanced, and, yeah. and 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 that's part of the problem too. The husband feels even worse. What's yeah. wrong with me? I don't look like a, uh-huh. a macho dude here, and and the wife feels worse. She says, "I can't ever compare to yeah. that. I've got things wrong with me." And 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 the reality is is that you're right. Intimacy is none of that anyway. And then you you come back and you're trying to. I guess be normal with your spouse and there's nothing. I mean, I think that's one of the things I see with a lot of the clients that I work with is they sense something's going on mm-hmm. and they can't, they don't always know what it is, but they know that you're not present. Yeah. Yeah. Women, women have a sixth sense. Yeah. They, they do. They, they know something is wrong. They know something's coming down. They may not know exactly what it is, but it puts them in a kind of a state of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then they start looking and, and they might look at the, the history on the computer. And pretty soon, uh, once they find it, and then you always find it oh, yeah. at some point, oh, yeah. then there's problems. Game on. Yes. We're talking to Dr. Ken Schwab from lifestarnetwork.org. Uh, about pornography, about pornography addiction. We'll be back with Dr. Ken Schwab. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. 
You're listening to Dr. Ken Schwab discuss the bitter details of pornography addiction. When does abuse turn into addiction? How does it affect us? And how do we get out of this downward spiral? One thing he mentioned in the last segment that I think is really important to remember is that pornography addiction isn't exclusively a male problem. Actually, about one-third of people addicted to porn are women. And he warned that one thing that people should keep in mind when they're surfing the internet or whatever is to be aware of when you're bored, lonely, angry, sad, or tired. Because these emotions often leave your guard down, and then you're more likely to fall into your negative habits again. He also said that addiction is like growing mushrooms. Mushrooms thrive in dark, moist environments. And if you take away one of those elements, the mushrooms can't thrive. They will not grow. So think about that in the sense of your addiction. If your addiction is thriving, cut off one of its sources. Bring light to your addiction. Tell people about it. Take the temptation out of your environment. So Dr. Schwab recommends that we don't even get started in these habits to begin with. But what if you already have? What if you feel like you're sinking in this destructive habit and you can see its damaging effects, but you don't know how to stop? Well, let's keep listening to this last part of the interview where Dr. Schwab tells us how we can start healing from these damaging habits, whether you're the one abusing porn or your loved one is. It seems like to break the addiction, there's a lot of things you got to break here. Whatever, like the blast. Remember, we talked about bored, lonely, angry, hungry, stressed, tired. Those are the, I guess, the, the triggers. The triggers. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of break that. You got to break some of your patterns, your system. But then you have to break just your physiology, your body craving, I guess, your brain craving certain chemistry, and then your body craving a release. This is a lot of stuff to take on. It, it really is. It's, it's not just a simple thing <clears throat> where a person can say, uh, you know, I'm just going to stop today. Yeah, I'm done. Um, in fact, many times that adds to that cycle of addiction. Because what they'll do is they'll say, I'm going to stop, and they might be able to go a day, a week, a couple of months. Uh, we've had some go a whole year, yeah. and then they hit that, you know, that, that point where they have a slip, a relapse, and, and then they feel all that shame again, yeah. and it starts all over, and they say, what is wrong with me? You know, what? Such a loser. Yeah. Boom, blast again. And, and, and it is hard. Matt, you, you're yeah. exactly right. With all those chemicals that are released, a person looks at it. And within – they measured in nanoseconds of really? how fast that message gets to the, the pleasure centers of the brain and it releases all kinds of chemicals that the brain produces. Mm. So there's you know, chemicals like adrenaline and, and endorphins yeah. and dopamines. We know of at least six that are released. And that and pump just, you up in that oh, yeah, moment. Exactly. And yeah. so it's really difficult because it, it, it works oh, yeah. and, and it works every time. Uh-huh. It's that problem then, what happens after, and a person mm-hmm. says, oh, no, I wasn't going to do this again. Yeah, it's a, it's, uh, that's the deal. And then that, back to your trap, and then you're back at it. That cycle. We look at it in terms of mm-hmm. that cycle that goes over and over and over again, and, and then it starts, like any addiction, you, they bring the disease home, and then the disease spreads to everybody else mm-hmm. in the home, and it, it becomes uh, it just just becomes a lot of. I even see. Then they get irritable. They get more angry. They become more distant. Sometimes that might lead to other things, affairs, other activities, other behaviors. 
Yes. It just spreads, doesn't it? It it, it does. And and I, I it just boy, I'll tell you, we just have so much compassion for those and, and respect for those who say, We're gonna do something yeah. about that. We've tried it on our own for a while. Sometimes a person can try it on their you know, can can work through it on their own. We're not saying that everybody's addicted and no. and, and obviously the less time that they've been looking at it, the better. But if they've tried over and over again, your heart just has to go out mm-hmm. to them because it's like these these are good people, yeah. and, and and we want to be able to help them. It sounds it seems like a lot of people would just chalk it up. To, well, they're just evil. <laughs> yeah. They're just dirty, gross people. Yeah, because good people don't do this. It, it's really interesting. The first time they come to the the, the therapy experience, yeah. they that you know they kind of step in the door, they look around, and <laughs> do I, know I, anybody I guess here? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. one of the big things. Do I know anybody? And, and maybe an expectation: Are they going to be in trench coats or what's right, going to yeah. be going on here? All these sickos. And, yeah. And, yeah, and these are good people, yeah. and. I mean, they could be sitting next to us at a church, or they could mm-hmm. be uh, our Meet next door community. neighbors. That's uh, right. it, it, it is a tragedy, tragedy of how secret, secret it is oh, and yeah. what a problem it is. What do we do? Okay, so let's say that we're, we're, um, we're noticing we, we're starting to have an addictive behavior like this. We're starting to participate in it more. We're actually searching it out. I guess one of the signs, too, is you're starting to do a little riskier. Sir. I mean, you're, you're putting it out on the line more, I guess. Um, what do we do? What, and what do you do? What do you recommend these couples do to start to heal this? Well, there's, there's, there are several things. Um, one is I, I think the first thing is to, to not be in denial about it. Um, you know, the denial would say, oh, it's not a big problem. Uh, boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's only yeah. affecting me. Right. Uh, You've got to get out of denial. Um, there's, there's a few things that a person could do. Uh, w- the first thing is to come out of, come out of, uh, out of hiding. Yeah. Come out of the secrecy of it. Surfaces somehow. Uh, yeah. Um, a second thing a person has to watch is what they tell themselves, the, the self-talk. Because if they start tearing themselves down, that just creates more shame. The yeah. shame creates more of yeah. a desire because that limbic system says, I've got to fix yeah, that. Yeah, you're being threatened. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, a third thing is to start substituting healthy activities. It's, it's not enough to just say, stop it. But it's it's yeah. replacing that with some other activity that will probably not be as powerful, but it will still release many of those chemicals mm-hmm. to to help a person feel satisfied. So it's kind of it's a I guess you you just need another pattern. You need to do this long enough to get your brain some other pattern, some other form that can help them. What is it about like uh, you always hear people just remove the temptation, you know, yeah. put the computer where everyone can see you. Don't stay up as late. Go to bed together. I mean, is that stuff is, – is that – I guess those are just helpful additional things to do? Those help. Yeah. You bet. Uh, any, and I think, you know, filters on computers are a must nowadays. If, yeah. if somebody has a computer – Without uh, without a filter on, they're just asking for trouble. Yeah, and uh, of course now we have a lot more electronic devices, cell phones. You know, hook into the into the internet. In fact, it's interesting, Matt, that that any device that can hook onto the internet, in, including PlayStation and yeah. and Nintendo and those kinds of things, right. uh, are vulnerable to bringing pornography. Your right TVs, into everything do, can do it now. See, before it was a magazine. Right, you had to somehow get somewhere, and uh, nowadays it's as simple as just your cell phone. So parents need to be aware too, right? Uh, exactly. That's that's one of the big things. There's there's three A's that that go into pornography that make it so uh, so rampant. Uh, one is available. Mm-hmm. It, it's available everywhere. 
Uh, number two, it's affordable. Yeah. You know, they can get that right in their own home. And free. I mean, free it's – to start. You don't even yep. have to pay. I, I mean, I know people are, but you don't. Yeah. And I then – There's enough of it out and there. And then the third A is anonymous. Mm. You know, this is, is, this is the secret coming out. Nobody knows and so they can do whatever they want. Yeah. You know, I've actually had clients – and this is so scary. But I've had clients that um, they they hadn't done it with pornography. But – they had actually called off of one of those sites a number to meet someone locally. That number, they set up a date to meet. They actually met supposedly and then extorted money out of the person that I'm going to call your your wife. Is your wife's name this? Is her name Stacy whatever Jones? Da, 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 da. And had all this information about his family and said, unless you give me $5,000, I'm calling her. I have pictures of us here. I have – and they extort. Wow. And um, Pretty amazing. And I'm sitting there thinking – and that's – okay. again, worst case scenario, Ted Bundy-ish kind of moment. But um, it's just a dirty side of who you don't want to be. If you're trying to hide it, mm-hmm. it's telling you something. It's, it's telling you we got to deal with it. We got to get some help. Right. I, I, I think that would definitely be a sign, like you were mentioning earlier, of, of getting help. Mm-hmm. Um, if a person can't do it on their own, then they need to reach out, um, open up that circle of, of people that they can trust to talk to. I guess that's parents, that's uh, clergy, that's Ex- your spouse. I- exactly. I- anybody that, that – and the thought is I can't, I, I can't tell anybody because then they won't like me. They'll mm-hmm. reject me. But – one of the things we, we that's important in the recovery is to rewire their brain, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. We, we won't do a lobotomy or, right, yeah. or We're not surgery gonna be drilling. or anything, yeah. but, uh, but it, it really becomes important to rewire that brain and to, to get them to, to think almost the opposite of what they would normally think. Get rid of some of those false core beliefs, mm-hmm. like I'm a bad person. Yeah. They're not a bad person. Or I can't open up and tell people or they wouldn't, they wouldn't like me. Yeah. They, what we find is when they do open up, yeah, with a spouse, they're understandably hurt. Mm-hmm. They, they often get angry. But at the same time, uh, then, then the help can happen. Um, they can get into therapy. Uh, we have, have – uh, you mentioned Lifestar. Yeah. Uh, that's helpful. Um, it, it, if a person wants to just go to a regular 12-step program. Yeah, those are very helpful. Absolutely. Um, uh, with the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they have a program called the Addiction Reco- Recovery Program based on the 12-step program. Yeah. But for where that isn't, the SA, the Sexaholics Anonymous, powerful program powerful. that help them. Well, and it's, it's something. To me, it just seems like uh, overtly, actively acting on something is a great sign. It's a great step. You're doing something. And then I guess you just need to kind of do more and a little bit better and a little bit tighter, tighten it down and kind of hone in on, on what your fix needs to be. Right. Get therapy. Find a good counselor I guess could be also helpful. Th- therapist is, is very helpful. And to they that. all don't do addiction, right? So find a good addiction counselor. I- exactly. You'd probably want to find out if they've had experience doing that uh, uh, because it's not just stopping it. It's not a behavioral thing mm-hmm. of just stopping it. It's saying, well, let's go down underneath. Let's find th- those underlying things that are underneath it. And let's, um, let, let's make sure that the, the healing, mm-hmm. that, that, that trauma addiction, the, the trauma pain, the, the holes, that those are actually healed. And, and that takes a longer time 
uh, to you know to help a person to be able to do that. What do we? What would suggestions do you have for the wife, the the wife of the user of pornography? How does she recover, or how do they recover? What's what does their path look like? Well, and how it, much do you tolerate? I mean, am I just supposed to let him do this, or do I start kicking him out? Yeah, yeah. We um, in in uh, I, I think it's important if you looked at a uh, a figure of a triangle. We talk about a drama a drama triangle, uh-huh. and um, all three of the parts of those drama triangles are are, are problematic. Uh, one would be the persecutor, yeah. And becoming the persecutor again, like you said earlier, was it, that's just going to create more shame. That doesn't help, right? Uh, being the victim and saying, "Poor me, I guess I deserve it." There's something wrong with me. That never helps. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things we want to do is to help the wife to say, "No, this isn't about you." And the third corner of the triangle is rescuing, where, like you said, yeah. they might say, "Well, let me let me fix it for yeah. you. Let me well, let me take just, care okay, of it." He won't do it again, and just kind of brush it under the rug. Is that? Yeah, that that's it. That's it. And so, um, the wife also has, uh, you know, she does. This isn't something she can come to her neighbors and say, right. "Hey, anybody else have a sex addiction husband? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to freak. talk to you." Yeah, right. <laughs> And so she she really has to get in there and two things. One is is find 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 some others that she can open up to so she's not isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two that I think is really important is that she can understand this addiction. It's not her fault and and be able to understand more about what she can do yeah. that's helpful to get out of that drama triangle. Oh, yeah, and not demonize too. I mean, I guess we could awfulize them and make them a dirty, gross person. Yeah. Or we can – and I guess that's just part of you know turning him into a persecutor. <laughs> right, anyway, I just right. need him to be as bad as he can possibly be. But most of the time, like you were saying earlier, these are just humans, right? Just These are just good people that right. this is where they found themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just powerful people and changing some of those false core beliefs about themselves and what they can do becomes, becomes so important. Uh, it, it shows that – Studies show that group therapy is probably the most effective, uh, effective way because they have that uh, uh, that accountability mm-hmm. to the group. Yeah. They, they have that group support and and the group responsibility. And like in the twelve step program, the twelfth step is once you get to, to to doing well and controlling this, now reach out to other people. Re- reach out and 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 be willing to to be open and to help them with their problems. That's just it. Really is. Um it's a it's a big deal, and the idea. I mean, it must be nice to see that your job is freeing people from this. I mean, and this can happen from people being abused as a child. I mean, there's so many ways people get here. There, there really is. That um, you just hate and, to judge and, it, and it is rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that. Yeah, you, totally. you feel that too, yeah. and and um, that's that's exactly why I keep doing it. Is that that feeling that there's there's individuals, there's marriages, there's families that really are being helped by this to be able to return to who they are, and then then the husband and then that wife gets that husband back and yeah. and more because now they've been able to overcome a challenge in their life, and it just draws them together. Oh, it's so powerful, and really, I've seen it stronger, stronger families mm-hmm. if you can just kind of get through this. And so, as we kind of wrap it up, what? Ken, what would you say, you know, what's the one thing? I I always call it the one thing that's really the big thing. What's the one thing you've learned in all of these years of this that really matters most to somebody being successful at this, overcoming this? 
Addiction. Well, first thing would be to don't get started. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if that would ever be possible. But in, in terms of uh, if, if they are involved in that and it becomes such a difficult thing to stop would be to say, don't be afraid to open up and to, to find that help that's out there for them. And to get some help and be willing to talk to people, be willing to talk. What would you say to the spouse? What's, what would be the one thing for them? I, I would want to help them to feel hope yeah. uh, that, you know, to, to feel like that this doesn't have to be something that so, so many times the first thought they have, as you know, is yeah. to say, well, I'll just get a divorce. I'll go find somebody yeah. that's, that's normal. Yeah. I told know? my husband, if he ever did this, I'd be gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and instead of that, in, instead of doing that is just to say, this is one of those challenges. In fact, I think any good marriage has to have some challenges to overcome. Mm-hmm. There has to be this that, opposition yeah. in life. I agree. That and, and by overcoming I mean, it's actually going to pull them together and yeah. be stronger than ever. And, and you can. And you've seen, coming out the other side, you've seen that you can come through a pornography addiction and you can be better. Absolutely. And, and stronger and together. I, I think that's a great summary that it can definitely happen and there's great reward for being able to do that. Powerful stuff. So Dr. Ken Schwab, um, they can find you, I guess, at lifestarnetwork.org. Yes. In fact, any of the different Lifestar will be on a map and they can just point and click and Go to whichever state find whichever in. one their state and then local area uh, if it's there. And uh, if, if we can help, we'd be happy to. Oh, I know. You'd be great. And uh, really, I appreciate you because this is, it's a sensitive subject, but honestly, so needed, isn't it? It is. It is. Good stuff. Dr. Ken Schwab, appreciate you being with us and go take care of your wife. All right. 34 years, four kids. Uh, appreciate that so much. Um, we'll be back. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. frank, valuable advice today on a very sensitive topic already. In this episode, we've been talking about addiction and especially pornography addiction. But I think all the principles that Dr. Schwab taught us in that interview just now can really be transferred to any other substance or abuse addiction, not just pornography. In the last segment, he talked about how we can start healing from addiction. The first step is not to be in denial, to come out and admit your destructive habits and how they are affecting the lives around you. He also said to change your self-talk. Get rid of thoughts like, I'm a bad person, or I don't deserve to change, or I'll never be able to get over it, or I'm just an addict. And then substitute your old habits for healthy activities. It's not enough just to tell yourself to stop. You have to replace the negativity with positivity. And yes, these steps he was talking about, he was specifically referring to pornography addiction. But whether you're addicted to alcohol, drugs, technology, sugar, whatever it is, these steps can help. And yes, that's easier said than done, but it is possible to overcome and recover from addiction. For this last part of today's episode, I wanted to play back a quick interview Matt did with MMA fighter Court McGee. 
He's a public figure on television in the sports world, but his biggest fight wasn't necessarily in the ring. It was with drug and alcohol addiction. To close, let's listen how Court overcame addiction to pursue his dreams. Talk about your, first of all, it's, you may, you're famous on TV, but you're famous beating people up. Mm-hmm. And yet you've got this private little secret in your history, your past, that took you for a ride. So not not so private. As a matter of fact, that is what got me on the show. The, the was it the season eleven Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, I went and I tried out. You try out. Yeah, uh, a lot of people go and try out, and they do a couple of portions where they do some striking, some grappling, and then they pick you through a group, and you go on to the next one, go on to the next, one, and yeah. then they do an interview. And it's a reality television show, so they're looking for you know they need a story. Yeah, they need a story, or they need a personality, and so. The first time I tried out, I didn't make it. Um, the second time I tried out, um, I got in, and they said, uh, "Why should we put you on the show? Yeah, what's different? You know, let, let me guess. It's your last chance, and it really was. I mean, it, it, it kind of was my last chance. It was to a point where in my life, I had made a decision to become a professional athlete, and I gave myself two years. Oh, I wow. had a wife and one yeah. son at the time. I have two now, and I was to the point where. I was just barely making it, and it was either make it or break it. Yeah. But I didn't tell them that. They've heard that. They've heard it a million times. And they said, so what makes you different? And I said, September 9th, 2005, I overdosed on you know heroin and a cocktail of other drugs and alcohol. And you were dead. They were doing Clinically dead, CPR yeah. on you. Yep, CPR and defibrillations. Holy cow. That was in 05? Yep, September 9th, 2005. And here you are. And then what – then you started getting – you got healthier, but how did you deal with the the drugs? How did you get away enough from the drugs to go become an athlete that they'd even look at? Well, I started in martial arts at six or seven years old, Shintoshi Karate. I did that. Uh, did a couple of seasons of peewee wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the instructors, uh, he was kind of like the cool, hardcore karate guy. He did some kickboxing. Yeah. He did some jujitsu. So he introduced me to that stuff. And, um, you know, I just uh, – I saw a little documentary called The Smashing Machine, Mark Kerr, and I saw this guy fighting, and I thought, wow, I want to do that. Yeah. And I had a few you know, situations in my life. I got left at uh, an amusement park by an aunt and uncle with some cousins, and I was really young. I got separated from the group. Oh, man. And I, I don't know. It's like I was so afraid and so scared. I wanted to never feel like that feel again. That. Yeah. So I really pursued the martial arts. Right. I pers- you know, I'd, I read uh, – a, a portion out of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding and wanted to learn how to lift weights Build and get up. strong and mm-hmm. learn the martial arts. I could defend myself and then that way I'd never have that feeling again. And it just kind of led to, uh, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I got into high school. Um, I graduated from Leighton High School, but I took uh, – I, I placed in the 5A division uh, in, really? in state tournament two years in a row and I won a national tournament. And so – In wrestling? Yeah, in wrestling, in yeah. high school wrestling. And then after that, it was like uh, I was going to go on to school and wrestle oh. in college. Yeah. But because of Title IX uh, and – you know, they, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have, offer out-of-state tuition. Uh, I couldn't take a, a scholarship out of state. You weren't going to get a scholarship. Nope. And they acquitted every program in Utah. So at the time, Utah uh, Valley University, which was UVSC, didn't have a wrestling program. And I got into an accident and I shattered my collarbone. Pain and, pills. Yep. Uh, I started taking the pain pills. But at 15 years old, I had taken a few drinks. Now, I didn't know. Here, standing here, I have over 10 years of sobriety. Yeah. Having some 10 oh, years of great. sobriety – 
doesn't take care of a problem that was inherent in my personality long before I drank or yeah. used. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. It's like I didn't know I triggered that allergy at 15 years old. Like 30 million of us in long-term recovery. There's roughly 30 million. 30 million in, million in yep, the United States. In the United States in, in long-term That's recovery. Almost no, 10%. no, world, worldwide. Oh, worldwide. Sorry. Okay. And uh, – 90% of us started in our teenage years. Hmm. I was one of those. I had a good family. Yeah. My dad uh, worked at Hill Air Force Base. My mom was an RN. Oh, wow. I have one older brother. Um, you had a lot going for you. Yeah, a lot going for me. I, I graduated high school with honors. I was a good kid. I had yeah. a good family. And I triggered that allergy at 15 Just by years drinking. old. Just by drinking. You know, drinking, trying a little marijuana, yeah. taking a pain pill. Then the you next know, one, one of those. Then the yep, next yep, one. Yep. And I had that uh, injury. Uh, I had surgery. I got hooked on the pain pills, and I started mixing the pain pills with the alcohol. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I thought, "Wow, I can do anything now." Yeah, you're invincible. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so gonna... I did it at work. I did it here. Oh, I did, you wow. know, and 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 it. I mean, I didn't know at 15 years old, five or six years later, that I would be homeless, right? And shooting heroin, and it took me there. And I wasn't. I was trying to overcome something I couldn't. You didn't even understand, do. really. I mean, I mean, you know, my family and, I, man, I had criminal charges, all oh, those things. No. Hey, Court, why don't you stop? Why don't you stop? You're killing yourself. <laughs> you don't think I tried to stop? Yeah. I tried to st- I wanted to stop. I was losing everything. I wasn't wrestling. I, I wasn't competing in anything. And then, uh, you know, that fateful day, said the worst day and best day of my life yeah. uh, was April 16th. So it, April 16th, 2006, Jeez. my sobriety date. Now, this, the overdose was September 9th, 2005. So I didn't just overdose, die, and then get sober. Yeah. No. I went back out again. Did you? I went through residential drug treatment. I stayed in the hospital for quite a while. And then uh, in that hospital, uh, a licensed clinical social worker came in and just so happens he had 20 years of sobriety. And he spoke my language, that cool. language of yeah. recovery. Yeah. And I'd That's never talked need, to somebody huh? like that. Right. Because yeah. they, they can call you on it too, right? Oh, yeah. Like – yeah, when somebody that knows you and knows yeah. how this works. After five minutes, he won me over. Said you're a candidate for residential drug treatment. What the heck's that? My parents tried to. They didn't know what to yeah, do. Sure, they were done with me, and they had no clue. Kind of like everybody who knows somebody who's struggling, and almost everybody knows somebody oh, yeah. who's struggling. Oh yeah. Yet, and we don't know if, what to do with them. Exactly. I ask this on radio shows, on interviews, yeah. all the time, and I'm like. Let me ask you, do you know who's somebody who's struggling? Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, you know, this person, this person. We've They're... tried everything. And then the next thing they say is they're such great people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they are. Yeah. They're your brother. They're your dad. You're your mom. You're the boss. I mean, anybody. So Drug true. addiction's non-biased. Okay, if they came to you and they asked for help, where would you point them to? I have no idea. Same thing with my family. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, well, well you just get a therapist. Yeah. Oh, but not yeah. every therapist is alike. And you need a drug treatment. Program. Yeah, like a licensed clinical and social somebody worker that or gets a twelve-step right, program right. or a residential drug treatment or an outpatient drug treatment. People don't know these things no. are available. A lot of people don't, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, there's there's so and there's a lot of stigma surrounding addiction. Oh yeah. See, me growing up, I thought an alcoholic was like the guy panhandling, and I thought a drug <laughs> right. addict was a guy that like came into a your dealer. garage and yeah. stole or sold drugs to yeah. kids. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. You're carrying two of those titles. Exactly. You, and you would have been so disappointed. Exactly. And yeah. it, nobody grows up thinking, oh, I want yeah. to be an alcoholic. No way. But it's my biggest and, like, it's my best asset because I – okay, I 
it, it gets me onto the Ultimate Fighter show. Yeah. I tried yeah, for years. I, gotcha. I was the best guy in the state. I was. Uh, I had one loss to a guy named Jeremy Horn, who at the time was one of the top twenty in the world, and right now he's he's a legend in mixed martial arts. Yeah, he has over a hundred professional fights. He was my fifth professional fight. I mean, I. I mean, You're I, that, yeah. I was going to make it. I was there, yet I couldn't. But I got out of the way of myself. Yeah. I put recovery first. I learned how to live life one day at a time without a drink or a drug, and I was able to be honest. And when those people ask me what makes you different, that's it. I just said, "Hey, this I overdosed on heroin, and if I stay sober for another couple of months, I'll have five years of continuous sobriety." And they were like, "Wow, we like you. You're on. Made it on the show." Boom. Did that become a big part of the show? Absolutely. Well, that's I huge. Home, how many people you're And helping. I wasn't going to go. I'm like, there's no way I can go in that house for six weeks. There's unlimited alcohol. I can't go there. Oh, really? Yeah. They medicate everybody. Yeah. And so, well, they want to make television. Right. But here's oh, the yeah, thing. Get people fighting. I don't look down night. on alcohol as an institution. Right. I don't look down on bars. I can't drink. Yeah. You can't be near it. No. And now I get paid to go to bars and sign autographs. So it's kind of like it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's you know what you else know? is great though is it and it's mixed with mixed martial arts, so you can tell this message to kids that need to hear it. Exactly, I mean, kids want to hear from you. I'm the athlete. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, and when I walk into a school, so I, so I do public speaking. Yeah. And, uh you know, the first one I did was uh, for the narcotics officer who's partly responsible for me being alive today. Uh, his boss called and. You know, said, "Hey, we want you to come speak at this uh, NADDI conference." So I was like, "Oh cool. shoot, I've never." Uh, yeah. Okay, sure, let's do it. Yeah. So I went up and I shared my story, and after that, they said, "We want you at this other conference." And, and now I you're going. There. Now you're on the next circuit. thing was, "Yep, we want you know the, oh, each sheriff's department. We want you in this high school here." You know what, Court? It's it's weird how it comes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah. It's you're there now. Now you're you're a, you're a force. You're a you're an important essential. Uh, part of helping others heal. What would you say, Court, is the one thing that all of us should remember when it comes to uh, the people we love that are suffering with addiction or if somebody is suffering with their own addiction? What's the thing we can't forget? Don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens. That's cool. It'll come. Yep. The miracle will come. Don't give up. Court McGee's his name, folks. Uh, CourtMcGee.com. Go check out his website there. What a powerful story. From being addicted to drugs and alcohol and being homeless to being an MMA fighter living his dreams with a strong wife and family, Court showed us that overcoming addiction really is possible. And if you're addicted to or abusing any sort of substance, that doesn't mean the rest of your life has been determined. You can start turning it around today. I love that he brought up the point that he came from a great family. He had good parents and siblings, but he made some bad choices and he introduced himself to substances he shouldn't have. And it was a downward spiral for a while. And I think that's another thing that we should keep in mind today, that this can happen to any of us. None of us are immune to this modern day plague. And just because you know someone who may be suffering from these things doesn't mean it's your fault. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent or child or sibling or coach because your loved one is addicted to something. Because even the strongest can fall. So let's all take the responsibility and accountability today for our own actions. Admit our struggles and start the process of working through them. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. I hope you found a little more hope and direction from our discussion. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend. 